Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to the Loft. Man, was that not some cool worship or what? Come on, give it up for those guys. They have amazing stuff right there. So today we're actually in the part two of, of a sermon series called The Time Is Now, and it's wrapped around this guy named Haggai or Haggai, depends on what part of, you know, Bull County you're from, or your north side, south side, west side, depends on how you want to say it, right? Uh, we know it's a little different, it means the same thing. Uh, but uh, we're talking about this idea of today, especially. So if you're, if you're new with us, we, we sort of talk about ideas. And, and this big idea today is, is something that, you know, you just, you, in seminary, I was told never to just to talk about something negative out of the gate because it's not something you do. But today we're going to talk about being discouraged. Welcome to the loft. And so, you know, those moments of clarity where you're just like, ah, I'm just sick and tired. I don't, I don't even want to wake out of, get out of bed. I mean, it was a nice morning just to pull the sheets over, right? It was nice and foggy, and it was just those moments of clarity just to, just to snuggle back in, because I'm just, I'm not feeling it this morning, right? I'm just not in the mood to go worship this morning. I don't even want to get in my car. I'm just discouraged. Anybody right there? Just a little bit. Okay, we'll, we'll see if we can get some hands raised in a minute. But next week, I, I want to give you a snapshot. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be blessed through obedience and what that looks like and how God claims obedience in that way that it radically redefines our lives. And I promise you don't want to miss it. So I just want to give you a snapshot of where we're going. And I truly believe you will be encouraged if you come. And as always, it's, it's fun to do life better with others. And so invite a friend because I promise you this, this, this next week is, is, is truly a game changer for all of us if we decide to be, what, obedient. And so if you missed last week, though, let me just bring you up to speed just real quickly. Um, the backstory on this whole idea of, of the time is now is, is, is an amazing story. If you don't know, there's a guy in the Bible named King Solomon and, and who literally built uh, some, one of the most amazing temples ever, and it was called the, the Solomon's Temple. It's sort of an interesting conversation there, but it was God's temple. And, and, and so last week we saw what, what it looked like. It was just this huge, magnificent-looking temple, and it really was mind-blowing. And the people came from all over the world just to worship God and that's sort of what it looks like in modern day art ways. And, but it was just an amazing temple made of ivory, made of other things. It's just beautiful, right? People just literally came to worship God in there because they just wanted to get a glimpse of it, of what it would look like. And what we know is after King Solomon died, people turned away from God. They were just done with God. And as often as we get distracted, right? When somebody dies or we get comfortable in our skin where we're at, and we just sort of get distracted of maybe the way that they pointed us in. It's exactly what happened to these people. And they started worshiping idols, right? They started worshiping other gods, and this, this has allowed a series of events to start to take place and trying to bring their focus, trying to bring their attention back towards God. You know, it's often like one of those moments of clarity when you know in, in Hebrews where it says, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of what? Our faith, which is Jesus, right? Fix them. Don't turn them off them. So if that's the, that's the light, you, just, you, you, you hone in and you, you go that way. But so often, if, if you've ever ridden a skateboard or a bicycle or any of those items, kayak or anything, where you turn your head, what happens? You go. 
And let me just bring it up to speed for you. For some of you, like, oh, I'm not, I don't do that. Where you turn your head with your cell phone as you drive, you go, you drift. And then you hit those rumble strips. You go, oh gosh. And you, know, you turn, you get back into the lane, right? Yeah, when you turn your head, you drift. And this is exactly what took place in their day and time. They drifted. Even these God's chosen people, they drifted. They drifted far away from God, and it got them in a place that was very uncomfortable. It got them in a place where, it, we, 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 where we learned last week that, that, that they did, actually the destruction of the temple came in 587 B.C., and under the, the, the king of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian army destroyed everything, completely devastated Judea, uh, including the massive insult of destroying the house that God dwelled in, the temple, the Babylonians actually took all the people, the Jewish people, into captivity for nearly 50 plus years. So not only that, you're going to be our slaves. We're going to teach you a lesson or two. You can only imagine the sense of relief and hope for the first time in 50 years when the remainder of the people were allowed to go back and start to rebuild their homeland. And under the governor of Zerubbabel, uh, about 50,000 or so people went back and started to rebuild their city. They started to rebuild and, and claim what God had given them a long time ago. The first priority was to, to build the house of God, like we learned. And so they started to build the temple and they started to build it with a foundation, a strong foundation, and they got to the altar place and then they were met with some resistance. Like most things happen. When you're on the path of God, you're gonna find opposition, right? Like we turned last week. When you're, when you're on a mission for God, it never fails. Satan's gonna throw darts. And guess what? They did. They, they just gave up. They, they, they quit. 14 years went by, amazingly enough, 14 years went by, and they sat there looking at these, these temple ruins, and it was halfway done with no progress whatsoever. And that's where we are today in the book called Haggai, because God raised up the prophet Haggai to, to call the people back to the task, to call them to back to working. To, let's, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get busy. Don't just focus on your house. Focus on God's house. It's time is now to build. And so Haggai was asking God's people to, to give careful thought, like we learned last week, to give careful thought to their ways. And even though they faced heavy opposition, if you remember this, with God's help, the time is now to choose the what? The hard right over the easy wrong. And so many of us fall trapped of this. We, 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 it gets a little, it get, the pressure gets on us, and then the next thing you know, we, we choose an easy way out. And even if you don't know how to build something, right? Haggai was like, hey, listen, just go to the mountain, go up to the mountain, get some wood, and let's get to work. You know, he's like, even though you don't know much about building a warehouse and a building a building, just, hey, you don't understand how to work a blueprint. Hey, just go over, figure out how to swing a hammer and tear down some walls. And that's as simple as it goes. Get to work is what he's encouraging these guys. It's not going to have to be easy all the time, but it will be hard. But with my help, it's going to change lives. And that's exactly the message Haggai was encouraging those in that day and time. And my guess is he's doing the same right now to us. You see, Haggai wanted them to put God first in everything, not just some things, not just on Sunday for an hour, but in everything. And for, for time's sake, that's, that's where we'll pick up the story with that in mind. 
And so if you got your Bibles, turn to them in Haggai chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And this is where we're going to pick it up. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible, the YouVersion Bible app is an amazing app. I encourage you to click on that. And there's some Bibles in the back if you need one. But Haggai chapter 1, verse 13 through 14 says this. It says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. It says this, I am with who? You. I am with you. Come on, say it with me, church. I am with you, declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. What else do you need? A lot of people say, oh, I need this, 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 this. You're getting ready to go back to school this week for a lot of students. And you're like, oh, man, I'm just kind of scared. No, 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 no. I need this and this and this and this. Let's just be honest. What do you really need? Haggai has encouraged us that I am with you, declares the Lord. In verse 14, it says, so the Lord stirred up the spirit. Now, I love that. I don't know, if you, I don't know how you can sing those songs and not be moved that we just sang. Break every chain and, and revelation song. Those, those songs are just stirring. There's a movement there. And, and I know you're like, oh, it's just a moment. No, 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 that's God moving. Don't underestimate that. That, that's, that's how he stirs people to move. And just like here in Haggai, he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shittel, governor of Judea, the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So everybody has been moved otherwise. From the, the highest leader to the governor to, to the people, the normal people, they have been moved. And it says this, they came and they began to work. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, the one they follow. They did it together. They started to move in the same direction to see what God could build. And so what does God often do in, in your life? You see, God will often stir up your spirit and God gives you hope to accomplish something that God puts on your mind. And God did this for these people. He gave them a sense of faith and we're supposed to, to rebuild the temple. He stirred up their spirits and this will happen for those of you who are followers of Jesus. It happens often. There will be those moments and times like, like out of the blue, you know, those moments when you're just driving down the road and something hits you and you've been moved and you know you're supposed to do something. Something crazy hits you, like purchasing a women's intensity for the church. And you're sitting like, what? But then you see the potential, how it's going to move thousands of women. And you know you're supposed to do it. And you just talk to your leaders and, and we go down the road of trusting God and, and you just have to tell some other people. And, and then, then out of faith, then out of faith, you respond. See, you have faith for something and you want to attack it. And that's because God has stirred up your spirit. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe this is, you're new to this and you're like, well, I don't, what is that stirring? What is movement? What, is, what does all this mean? Let me just say it this way. When you know something's going on inside and you're, you're sitting there and you're just like, I, I, I know something's happening. I just can't explain it. I'll share it to you this way. This week, my little daughter, 
Carol, like she's not little, but to me, she's still little. She walks in to tell her mom. She said, God spoke to me. And, and she didn't want to tell, but she leaned in and she said, what'd she say? What, what, what did God say? And about that time, she just didn't know how to res- respond, but she said, Mom, God said, I'm his daughter, and he loves me. You talk about tears of joy and training up your children, right? I was like, woohoo, yeah, got one right. All right, all about the boys. Got one, though. <laughs> Just saying, right? But I was so ecstatic, and I was like, Mia, tell me what God said. And she came and told me, and I gave her the most biggest hug. I gave her a high five, and I said, man, just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. My guess is God's speaking to a lot of you in the same way, and you just don't know it yet because no one has ever confirmed it and just said, that's God. And you just sit there like, did I I hear him right? Is that God? Is that not God? Is that just me thinking? It's just weird thoughts in my brain. No, that's how God moves. It's called the stirring. It's called movement. Just like they went through these these people in this day, the remnant, they were moved and they they didn't respond. See, Mia responded. She went and shared it with us. Does this make sense? You see, the story goes this way. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. And then they're like, we can do this. We got this. We can do this. We're going to build this amazing temple. We got this under control. We can do this. And one month, one month goes by, and guess what happened? They quit. They quit again. One month goes by, and we can do this. One month later, they're just, they're just done. They, they, they had one of their big religious festivals, and they're like, oh, let's go party over here. And all the people gathered around the temple construction site, and they're like, is this, is this all there is? Is this, is, this what, is this what this place looks like? It's an empty shell. This is kind of pathetic. This is actually silly. There's not much progress happening over here. And all of a sudden, everybody was discouraged because they put a lot of effort in it, but there was really not much happening. There wasn't really nothing to look at. They were discouraged. They were embarrassed. They they felt overwhelmed. And we're trying to do our best, and, and, and you don't like it, right? And so they just quit. And one month in, we can do this too. We've done it. We can, we can, we've, we've actually probably done it more than you think. One month later, you can, you're like, yeah, I got it. And all of a sudden, I'm done. Let, let's, let's just really be honest and strip away some things here. How often does that happen in our lives right now? Where you're going to do this or that that can radically impact your life and, and then you're under attack and you get discouraged and you sort of flame out before we ever really get started and you see results. Anyone? It's like getting in that gym membership, right? And then never going back after February because you just got tired. And you're like, this is, this is too hard. This is painful. It's, it's, it's like that moment of getting that treadmill that you just had to get, husband. You know? and, and now it's just, it's just sitting in the corner collecting some clothesline, and it's just like the greatest clothes hamper in the world. You know? It's like picking up that, that talent and you just had to go out and get that new guitar a couple months ago or maybe you, some piano lessons and, or maybe you're, you're painting, right? And you bought everything to do it and a couple months later, it, it just, it's a constant reminder 
that you're, you gave up. And people walk in and you're just, oh, you play the guitar or you paint or you do this. And, and you sort of just talk about it. You, you talk about your goals, but you're just kind of discouraged. You're embarrassed because it represents something that's who you're not, but you want to be. Anybody? You see, we're all like that to some degree. We can attack and we can build the temple and one month later to the day because they dated everything back then, one month later they, they, they quit. They're done. And I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, most of us have something that we have fizzled out on. We're going to do this and then we, we don't make any progress and then we're, we're like, oh man, I just I get incredibly discouraged and, and maybe it's a diet plan, Right? Maybe it's a diet plan just to cut out Mountain Dew. <laughs> and then like a week later, you're just thanking God for God's nectar. Or maybe it's a little bit something a little bit more serious. Maybe it's debt management. You're, you get on track and you're just, you're focused in your heart. You're just, you got accountability and next thing you know, next month, you just, you grab that card and you go swiping. And you feel just miserable. And the only thing that makes you feel better is what? Swiping more. It could be to study harder, students. This year, I'm going to do this. No longer I'm going to be known for that. I'm going to put everything into this, this moment to, to, to radically change the trajectory of me, but you just find yourself just relaxing, and it's just easier just to sit by and not do the work. Maybe it could be something a little bit more. Maybe it's that idea of nixing that habit that you don't want anybody to know about. Maybe it's that habit of clicking on that website, that porn site, that you know is not right. It's, just, it's causing some ugliness and some deep, dark secrets, and it's pulling you into a, a darkness that you just don't want to be a part of, and, but yet you want to get out of it, and so you make a commitment to get away from it, and you block things, but eventually what happens? It drifts back in. It could be other things, drugs. It could be any type of habit that hooks you. It could be your marriage. You just say, I just want to work, work on my marriage. I want to spend more time with my, my family, my, my, my wife. And, and then all of a sudden, you just find yourself a month later back even further of working, of putting forth more time to provide. That's the excuse we sort of give a lot of the times. It's interesting it's interesting how we get to that moment and then we just get what? Discouraged. And then discouraged leads to other things. Fights. Conversations that typically don't go right. They go south. Which leads us into a moral dilemma. And we get caught up of what's wrong, what's right. And we've never even addressed the real issue. Where's Jesus? You see, that's exactly what happened to the people of God. We're going to do this for God, and it's going to be amazing. And, and one month in, when we did it, it, it didn't go like what we expected it to. They got incredibly discouraged. You see, God had Haggai ask them this question, and to me, it's, it's loving, it's amazing, it's, it's, it's a part of Scripture that can really change your life. It's almost like God is trying to get to the root of their discouragement. And if you're discouraged today and you're taking notes, this is probably a verse that I want you to write down and, and just circle this week. 
Perhaps you're discouraged because one of these two reasons we, we find revealed in this question in Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? In other words, who is old enough to remember Solomon's temple? Remember, they've been away for over 50 years now. Wasn't it amazing back then? And you look at yours and you say, how does it look to you now? Does it seem like, you're, like nothing's going on? Who of you remember the former temple and its amazing glory? Does, it, does this one look like nothing to you? You see, there's two causes of discouragement that I think is important for us at least to illuminate through this is you're taking notes is, is one of us one of them is this and, and I do it so I just want to be honest and, and I'm not proud of it but one of them's comparison we look at other people around us or we look at other churches and we just sort of compare and contrast and the second one is lack of progress like we thought it would be further along we thought it would look like this but this is what I've learned is you got to have the right people in the right place at the right time, and that equals the Holy Spirit's leading. If you mess any of those three things up, it's your leading. And that draws us in to that comparison trap and the lack of progress trap. And I don't know where you're at, but I guarantee you have done those things. Very certainly, these people are doing the same thing that we often do. They were comparing the start with someone else's finish, right? Right? For newlyweds, you're like, man, this house is empty. Uh, man, you're comparing to what other people have been working for for 30, 40 years, especially parents, right? They've got accumulated stuff. And you walk into this 1,000-square-foot house or 1,500, and you're like, there's nothing in here except literally a couch. How are we going to fill it up? Trust me, you'll get there. It's amazing what comes out of a house after five years of living there. Most of it goes right into the trash can, by the way. You see, they were comparing their start with someone else's finish, and, and we just started. Our temple doesn't look very good, and their finish was so much better. In fact, the Bible scholars estimate that Haggai was probably around 70 at this time, maybe in his mid-70s, the early 80s, but when he wrote this book and when he was prophesizing to them, he, he was probably around 70, 75 years of age, which means 50 years before they were in captivity, he, he would have been a teenage boy. And he remembers it. Certainly old enough to say, this is what it looked like. Do you remember? I don't know about you, but if I'm completely honest, there, there are times I, I get incredibly discouraged when I compare where other people are that I'm not. When I think about where I could have been, and if I had just stuck with flying, those friendly skies, I met a guy literally two weeks ago that I got really discouraged by, but I was just intrigued, and I was just, he was a pilot of an Airbus 380. If you don't know what an Airbus 380 is, for an airplane geek like me, that is the biggest moving passenger item in the world that flies above your head. It's awesome. And he's the pilot of it. One of the most amazing aircraft in the world. He's, he's, he's the captain, the capitan. Gets to fly everywhere. And he was just in visiting some friends, and, and we walked out, and, and, and then you look at his car, unbelievable. You look at my truck, 
four kids that have torn all to pieces. And you just look back over here and you're just like, you start to, you, you drift. I drifted. His lifestyle was amazing. At least it appeared to be that way. I just, maybe as a parent, you look it over at the other table. Let me just see if this makes sense. You look over the other table and think, I wish my kids would act that way. You know, I'm just going to be honest. We're lucky to make it to the table with clothes on, all right? <laughs> and that's in public. And I know we all do this, but we look differently when we look outwardly at other people, don't we? Especially, come on, just lean in, just be honest with me. Social media, come on. Do you not look at how many people's got likes? And it could be the same exact picture. They got 50 likes and I only got four. Same picture. I know people go through that and they struggle with it. You see, we're comparing all these different things and suddenly you feel incredibly, what? Discouraged. Exactly where Satan wants you. What's wrong with me? You start to inwardly go where you should not. What's wrong with me? You compared, and just like they did, our little pathetic attempt to build this new temple pales in comparison to the glorious Solomon's temple. And so we're a failure. We get discouraged and we give up. You see, then there's also just a lack of progress and, and, and it's also what they did and, and a month into it, this is what's not going well and we just sense it and we feel it and, and we're trying so hard but we're not getting anywhere and now how often do we feel this way? We, feel, we, we say, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go on this diet. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it in shape. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick to my plan. I'm going to stick to this and, and one month, up, you, you know, you don't like keto diet but, you know, um, by the end of the month, you find yourself that you've actually gained five pounds and you're out an extra hundred bucks a month. And you're like, what happened? I got some giggles over here because you know it's true. I don't know. I'm just being honest. It's just like, it's hard. Why do we do? I'm working out all the time and it's not working for me. I'm done. I'm discouraged. You see, it's like you take five steps forward in progress and then reality sets in, you look around, and all of a sudden you, you, just, you feel like you took 10 steps back. And, and it could be even a spiritual attack. I'm going to do my devotion every single day and tomorrow, but you were pulled away from doing it the next day. And, and then you just sort of give up because you, you didn't get that streak on version Bible. See, I got to laugh. It means it's real. It's, it's, it's you quit. You quit doing the one thing that honors God and that, because you just got pulled away from it. And you could be going to work with, with literally think about it this way. I don't know some people, you know, you may be a Christian, but you know, you cuss a little. I get that. All right, so but let's just work on that one, okay? Let's just work on that one. But let's just say you're trying to work on your foul language. But for whatever reason, those four little, little words just continues to slip out of your mouth faster than those people making those kiki videos. You know, just be honest, right? If I see one more this week, I'm gonna, ugh. Yeah, it'll fade. And so hopefully language does too. So my thought process is this, how do you work on it and not be discouraged? How do you go all in and say, you know, God is doing something in me incredibly amazing and I just gotta stick with it and trust God. 
what he's trying to do through you. You see, you will think by the, this time, that the time is now that I would be better off. And so we wake up and one day incredibly discouraged. I'm not where I thought I would be. And certainly in this group of people this size, there are those of you in some category of your life right now. This is not what you think in my life would look like. I've given it all in my marriage. But there's something not right and I am discouraged and I'm done. You have children and you're praying over your kids and, and you're giving them good advice and, you, and you're doing everything you can to help your kids take that next step with their decision making, but it fails. It goes extremely wrong. What do you do now? It's discouraging. Spiritually, you're trying so hard to overcome that one sin and you look back where it's been and I've been walking with Jesus all this time and that one sin haunts me every single day and you're just discouraged because you can't overcome it. See, I wanna show you what God tells his people to do when, when where you're at is where you're at. We're building the temple and it's, it's not going well. It's never going to be as good as Solomon's temple where we're trying to do the best we can and the best just isn't good enough. God gives them the most loving and simple instructions ever. And that's one of the most beautiful things about this little book called Haggai. It's just amazing to me how loving God is with these little words. So I want you to, to take note in Haggai chapter two, verse four. It says, you know, he first talks to the governor, then he talks to the high priest, and then to all the people, and he tells them the same thing. He says, this in verse four, it says, but now be strong. Zerubbabel, be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And what? Work. For I am, what? With you, declares the Lord. Be strong and what? Get to work. Do the work. Be strong in what? Get to work. Be strong in what? See, I think a lot of us are either scared of two, two things here. Just how strong you can become in the Lord, so you just back away because you might look different. And that second thing, I think a lot of people are actually afraid to put some hands and roll up those sleeves and get to work for the Lord because you're afraid of what it's going to change inside you, because you're going to have to change what you care about. That's just what I believe. I've seen it. I've seen people get there, and they've put effort into it, and they realize what it's changing, and then they pull away. They just, they, they just pull away. And then they get discouraged because they pulled away, and then they're out. They're just done. They're no longer strong in God. They just fall away because they, they forgot this one piece. For I am with you. And what I've realized is this, even as we take this next big hurdle, moving over to this location, everything worthwhile that we do is uphill. Everything that we get our hands on is, is, is worthwhile, is uphill. Think about this way, and I'm going to invite somebody up here with me, but think about this way real quickly. Think about Jesus' walk, his final walk up to Calvary. 
uphill walk, the cross bearing down on him. Can you almost imagine what, it, what the whisper was from God? Be strong, do the work, and love wins. Be strong, do the work, take that next step, keep going, give up that breath, and love wins. It's going to be painful, some of you. For some of you to, to be strong, it's going to be painful. It's going to, it's going to force you to change what you care about. And it's going to be challenging to do the work because sometimes we're going to get discouraged. But when we're all in and we all go for it, love wins because we did it under the authority of who? God. Because he is with us. And so I invited my friend Jeff up here. And some of you know Jeff, uh, but for those who don't, uh, Jeff is our student pastor and, and, and just a good friend of mine. He works at Living Room. He does some other things around here and, and, and in Lexington. And, and so one of the things that I had talked to him about is like, what, what does it mean to, to come up here and, and talk about some things with us? And, and, and just a quick synopsis of where, where me and him come from. And two different fronts, um, born and raised. But the truth is, Jesus brought us together. I was at a wedding and I knew something was different about him. And, and so I just walked up to him in a wedding. And I keep in mind, I've never met the guy before in my life. But my first question to him pretty much was, hey, tell me your Jesus story. And that was just an awkward question to come out. But it sort of vomited out because I knew I was supposed to do it. And next thing you know, his eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. And at that moment is when we, our relationship started about four years ago. And, and it was beautiful because Jesus was at the center of it. A couple weeks later, we hooked up, and we actually met at Chipotle in Lexington, and we didn't need any of the bad stuff, but it was just, you know, it was one of those moments of clarity, but um, it was a good conversation, and I just asked him some quick questions about where Jesus was in his life and, and how he has been moved and, and some of his discouraging moments and, and life in general, but he just goes, man, what you're saying is what I've been fasting for, but I want to I be a part of that, like what? You can come be a part of it. I don't, I don't mind share Jesus. And next thing you know, he's just all in and he's now a part of my life and my family's life. And, and that's, that's sort of our relationship. Jesus has been the start and he's been at the middle and I can't wait to see where he, we end up at. But the truth be told, along the way, both of us have to deal with discouragement. And I thought there would be no better way for the next five, six minutes just to share with you guys the discouragement that comes from two pastors having the opportunity to communicate the gospel in a way that radically redefines lives but some of the things that we go through. And so I thought I would go first real quickly and then turn it over to him and we'll just go back and forth. But, and I don't mean this in a way that to, I want a bunch of thousand notes coming to me this week. I, I don't. Or, or, you know, God bless our pastor on Facebook. I don't. Neither one of us want that type of attention. I, I do. Okay, so he does. He <laughs> The tattedpastor.com, hashtag. Um, um, we're going to work on the ego thing. Still got to work on that one. Um, but in the side of discouragement, think about it this way. You know, a lot of people just said, hey, you'll never break through. You'll, you'll never get to where you, you need to be. You'll, you'll never be a church bigger than. And, and so those, those things, just, they just plague my mind sometimes. I'm like, you don't know the Jesus I know. It has nothing to do with about how many people we put in seats. It's about how much we move in our city. And they don't get it, but sometimes those lords, man, they discourage me because, simply because I know what we're up against. 
And then some days I get up here and, I, and I'll preach and, and, I'll, and I'll do my best to prepare. And, and, but then I'm also human and, and I feel like I messed up and I'll go home and I'll, I'm like, ah, I should have said that. I, sh- I shouldn't have said that. Or I, I wish I would have said that. And I just beat myself up all the time sometimes. And, and that's, that's what I feel inwardly. And I do that often. And, and I don't know, I know we, 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 we get around people and we sometimes we, we mess up as well. And I get discouraged. And I feel this small. You're like, you don't, there's no way. You're this, you're, I feel this small. I get discouraged. And so I asked Jeff the same question. So Jeff, tell us a little bit sometimes when we, we start comparing and contrasting and we get lack of progress, especially in the student ministry. We get in that comparison trap. Tell me a couple of things where you get discouraged and tell me some of the comparison traps you see. Yeah. I want to preface before I start, um, this is not a show. Him bringing an African-American man on stage is not a show. I've heard that so many times. This is not a show. Like, this is my brother. He doesn't, and also, honey, you're breaking more chains than you know. For real. This is not a show. He didn't bring me up here to, to be like, I got a black guy on stage. That's not, that's not, it's not what's going on. Just want to say that. Um, to Satan, because um, I know he's listening. But I think one of my, I'm going to start crying because, you know, I'm a crier and this is very, you know, dear to my heart. But a big discouragement that I have, and I'm not trying to call anybody out by any means. This is just me, you know, sharing my emotion. But um, one of my discouragements is like students are here, but they they don't like come to living room. Like we hang out, I, I see them. We 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 uh, like high five them in the day. I'm like, hey, just just come hang out. And like they just they just don't come. And I'm like, man, you realize like the power you have. Like, and I I just want I just want to be a part of that. I just want you to be a part of what God is doing. Like in, like in your school and, and in this church and. A big discouragement of mine is that, like, they just don't, they just don't come. And it hurts me because I start to feel like it's me, you know? Like, oh, well, Jeff isn't cool enough. Our living room isn't fly enough, which it's going to get fly. Just, just you wait. Um, it's going to be dope. For those of you that are over 30, that's a cool thing. Dump it's a good, good. thing. <laughs> don't means extra good. Very good. Um, but, yeah, like. It's just like, man, like, I want you to be a part of this, not because I want a number and I want to fill a seat, but because I want to see, like, a generation be raised up. They're unashamed. They're sold out for Jesus. And, like, that's, that's what I want to see. And so that's one of my. Yeah, the way we, the way we said it, I think, even this week, because we, we did talk about this. This is not impromptu like me and my wife some days do. Um, um, but here, but not in. Here, but not in. And even I, I deal with the same thing. I wonder why people come on Sundays, but not in. I even had a guy even tell me this this past week, and it was, it was like a God moment because I knew I was going to be talking about it, but the worst business plan in the world would be to open a business between the hours of 9 a.m. on Sunday and then 12 on Sunday. And if you look at, and you expect to do good. And if you look at the world, the, the church is, that's exactly what we did. 
And I'm like, ah, if it's all about this, can we just shut this down? Because this is not what I want. I, w- I want you to be a part. And I get discouraged when I don't see things move. And we, got, we start comparing and we start looking around and we see a couple of little movements, even not just here locally, but we talk to people from California to Seattle and we see movements and we get excited. But then we, got, we get in that word of that comparison trap and we, we see lack of progress in ours. And then what happens in the discouragement mode, if me and him are honest, because we talk a lot, we question ourselves. Yeah. Well, what did, I, what did I do wrong? How did our I? culture. It was something's wrong with Kentucky, you know? Or, or, or something's wrong with me. Like, I'm not a good leader. Satan throws darts. I'm telling you, you know those yard darts like we, they used to do back in the 70s? Anybody? Those were great things. But, you know, I feel like mine's like a javelin with big arrows pointing right at Jason. And it will peg me and hold me down. And then I'm just dragging a dart across the yard. That's what I feel someday. I get discouraged and I feel... And, but the other one is, is, is people that what? You invest time into... One of the most discouraging things that we've had to face is this. You, you pour life into, you just pray over them, you watch God, but then they, then they do one thing. They, they what? They walk away. And for me, it's like, because growing up, I, re- I didn't have anybody that wanted to invest in me other than like my, like my family, you know, barely them, but like, you know, only a few people that wanted to like be a part of what I was doing in sports. And like for me to, to see people like walk away like it really, really hurts because, because like it's like man, when I look at you, I don't see you at sixteen or seventeen. Like I see you as a twenty-eight year old man. I, I see like God's future for you, and I see your potential. And I'm just like man, dude, the world looks cool, but it's really not. And I, when I see students walk away, it just it hurts. It hurts me to the core. Like it just, I just I just I don't know. Like it just hurts me. Because it's like, it's not only me that you're walking away from. Like, Jesus' heart is so big for you. It's bigger than mine will ever be. And I just want you to be a part of that. I just want you to be a part of what God has for you. And his, 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 it's like your identity is found in him and not in how many people double tap your photo. Like, I'm just like, God loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Stay. In the church that I grew up, when people walk away, it's, it's because of a reason. I grew up in a church culture that, that, that they didn't get to choose the color of the wall, and then they walked away, right? I'm just like, oh, this is so much bigger than that. But when you start to see God move in their life, and, and you start to see some change, and you've invested years of your time, and even in our small time that we've been able to have this, this moment of center point, we've seen people walk away, and it literally, like, you can ask my wife if you really, you know, just ask the truth, but it breaks us. Like, we, we have, you know, She's got a job, full-time job, and, 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 and I, I come home from working all day as well, and we'll sit on the couch, and I was like, did you know that they're done? And you're like, what? And you start asking some conversations. Yeah, I, I, they, they told me that they're, they're, they're doing something else, and they decided to go a different direction. After they've sat at your table, and you've poured t- countless hours of energy into somebody, and, it, and they just walk away. And so then I feel discouraged almost to the point to give up. It breaks our hearts. And again, we're just, we're just being transparent here because we know that if we struggle with it, you have possibly have struggled with it. This next one, though, is one that I'd, I think it's, it, for us, if you're inside the circle of leadership, it's one that where we don't feel like some days that we're the best leaders. And Rhonda, if she was here, she would share the same thing. Next week, she'll have a chance to share. But we feel like sometimes we, 
we fail leaders and, and, and we get in that habit of, of not bringing in our best and, and sometimes we rely on you and we fail you or, or, or we just honestly, we let you down. Yeah. Um, so when Jason, when we had, you know, those days at Qdoba and we met, you know, sometimes even twice a week. Um, I, I mean, I had, I've had no schooling, <laughs> um, you know, to be a pastor and so when I got in here, I thought that, you know, me being the leader, man, I'm leading and like you follow me and this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm going to do. And you follow me. If you don't follow me, then what are you doing with your life? Come on, get it right. And during that, um, I stepped on a lot of people and stepped over a lot of people. And one of my discouragements is that like I've hurt people whose heart is actually for Jesus, you know? And it was in my, you know, I, I could honestly say it was in my insecurity that I stepped over people and, and failed them. You know, like I thought living room was going to be this and it's not because of you. And it's the, the things that I've done to, to, to fail leaders um, because I wasn't that great. You know, I'm all right now. Talk about ego. I'm okay. Um, God's made me, so I'm confident in that. But, you know a big discouragement of mine is that I've failed some people and students too, because I promised something that I could not keep. Um, so, yeah. And I think along, along the way, if you add all those three things up, the way Satan wants us to feel and when we look and we just look inwardly, it, it just, sometimes it makes us feel like we're failures. At the end of the day, it, it makes us feel like we're failures. But even as we was reading this together on Monday and we're just going through our notes and, and just reading what Haggai wrote and encourages, there was that phrase. Do you not know who's with you right now? I breathe the galaxies out of my mouth. And you're worried about what? I, I, I spin it in motion daily. I could stop it at any moment. I threw those stars out you looked out the other night, just gazed and just in awe, stood in awe and wonder. I threw them out with my hands. Positioned them carefully. And you're worried about a building? You're worried about a Sunday night? A Saturday night worship set on the plaza. You're worried that people wouldn't show up. Be strong and get to work. I know there's some people in here that need to hear that. Yeah. Be strong and get to work. The book of Joshua says, be strong and courageous. I don't know what you're going through, from marriage to, to school to, to debt to, to whatever, whatever's got you right here and, and you're feeling just this overwhelming, discouraging moment. I just want to let you know, hey, we're, we might be, the, the title called pastors, but we're normal people and we deal with hurt a lot as well. And I just want to encourage you. We're in it together to be strong and to work side by side because we're better together. And we'll see what God does through us because that's what love builds. He moves us. It's not a building. He moves us closer and closer together. And when we do that, God gets the credit. He moves hearts and then he changes nations because something 
happened that mattered. And what mattered is you finally decided to follow Jesus in a way that radically redefined everything. It's like Jason said at the very beginning, when Jesus enters the house, everything changes. Everything worthwhile beautiful can i say this yeah so um i know that i know that god is calling like giving you dreams to do things because he's given me some and i'm going to follow but i'll say this fear will stop you from seeing beauty fear will stop you from seeing beauty fear will stop you from seeing beauty if god is calling you to do something he says i'm with you what else do you need be strong And I promise you, like when you step into it, like only glory will come. After Jesus stepped through death, what happened? Beauty, beauty, redemption, freedom. Fear is going to hold you back from seeing beauty. Don't let fear win. Yeah. And so we're going to sing a song together. And the song is called, Oh, Come to the Altar. Now, today the altar is wide open. But maybe the altar is just you setting still and not moving and just being completely in awe of how God is asking you to get to work. And maybe all this is new to you and you're like, I don't even, I don't even know this Jesus. I don't know him, but I want to know him. Hey, we're, we'll talk to you about him. It's, it's up to you to move. But what we want you to do is just to gravitate towards him, to be strong, and to get to work. And as we do that together, we'll see lives changed. So I'm going to pray and just ask God to do what he does best, is move his people. And at that moment on, we're just going to trust his Holy Spirit. So Jesus, hey, you commanded us to move. So that's what this moment's about. You told us to be strong and get to work. And for some of us, that's literally a moment to pause to ask for clarity, for vision. For others, it's literally to move and hit the ground with their knees. And for others, it's to sprint out those doors today and to start sharing the story of changed lives, which starts with mine. God, that's the only way love builds things. It takes us to move and get to work. Lord, we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen.